On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery here with you as always. And I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keen Tracy. A lot to get through today. Ireland squad for the New Zealand tour was announced earlier. 40 men, Andy Farrell has picked. 20 from Leinster, 8 from Munster, 7 from Ulster and 5 from Connacht. And as well as that, we have the fallout from last weekend's URC semi-finals. Both Leinster and Ulster being upset by South African teams. So we have an all-South African final in the URC this weekend. But first and foremost, Keen. We will discuss that Ireland squad. What jumped out to you? What's kind of your big takeaway from it? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, will I don't know if that's because I'm going to New Zealand next week, but um, yeah, it feels very close now and very real. And yeah, like I mean, the thing about it is, like when you put something out on Twitter, uh, which like I do when a squad is named. It's amazing. The reaction is always about who isn't there rather than who is there. I mean, we'll obviously get into it. There's a couple of guys who are definitely, I would say, pretty lucky to get in there. Uh, There's a couple of guys pretty unfortunate to miss out. But all in all, I think it's a pretty, you know, pretty solid squad. Um, When you see the the 40 names, you kind of you get a reminder of how grueling this tour is going to be, that it's three tests against the All Blacks and two against the Maori as well. So um, I think you can probably see a bit of the, the shape around that, the way Andy Farrell is thinking. It'll be very interesting to see kind of how he uses the the tour in the, the first Maori game in particular. Will it be a kind of a separate thing altogether or will he look to kind of give a couple of guys who who haven't had much game time? I mean, if you aren't, if you aren't playing in Ulster or Leinster, then... Uh, you haven't had much game time in the last few weeks. So um, I'm excited by it. Uh, five uncapped players. Um, very keen to see how the likes of Kieran Frawley, Joe McCarthy and Kean Prendergast in particular get on. Um, I think I've been impressed with Joe McCarthy when he's played for Leinster this season. I think he's been one that's been identified from a long way out. I think Andy Farrell has been good at getting younger guys into the squad and kind of giving them experience with kind of an eye on the bigger picture. And you can see that Kieran Frawley is another who's been in camp. And so has uh, Kean Prendergast and Jeremy Lockman and Jimmy O'Brien. So I think once you get your foot in the door, it's kind of an indication of that he's keeping an eye on you. There's 12 players who've won less than 10 caps as well. So that's something that kind of tends to get 
forgotten about i think the amount of caps and andy farrell has actually given over the last couple of years because it's easy to want you know see more and more new faces but like in the grand scheme of things there's a lot of new faces in there and sort of you know harnessed by the the usual kind of experienced pros so yeah like i'm i'm excited i think it's it's gutting to see they had Ronan Keller missing out through injury. I actually think he's a big, big loss. Um, like particularly, I, I think Dan Sheehan is a really good replacement, but having those guys as a one-two, uh, we've seen how effective they can be. Really good it for Robert Balakun. I, I actually think he would have come the end of the tour if he'd stayed fit. I think he really would have pushed into the test reckoning. Um, he's had a brilliant season with Ulster. So Andrew Conway, another guy missing out through injury and Chris Farrell. So plenty to get your head around, Will, but I think my overriding emotion is probably excitement that it's finally coming around because this is ultimately the test of all tests isn't it yeah it's a look there four players less than what clive woodward brought to new zealand in 2005 always the barometer for a uh an enlarged for, traveling for a party. selection but for a yeah. selection blow up <laughs> exactly if anyone ever surpasses that you know fair play to them uh the, the economy must be going well if they can afford to bring that many players over in future luke you know from your perspective you know kink touch on a, a good few points there like anyone in or out that, that kind of particularly piqued your interest I'd love to come out with something new, but Balakun is the most disappointing one. I think he looks like he's filled out nicely. You know, he looks like he's playing great rugby. Um, when I looked at him originally, I wasn't sure he was like an international player, but I really think he is now, just in terms of his body shape and and actually his game looks strong. Uh, he's got that top end pace that you, I just just don't think we have um, in in lots of players. Um, you know, some surprising ones. Uh, I think Keen's right on Keen Kelleher. Like that's really disappointing, and that's a real str- that that actually is a strength for the team now. In an area where I think we probably struggled for a while to have really you know really strong uh like two really strong candidates um but i'm interested to see dave heffernan go there i'm excited for him to go on the tour and see if he can uh, kick on and put some pressure on Sheehan, who looks like the kind of he's probably the leader at the moment or has as the uh, i suppose the incumbent if you like even though <laughs> probably not a starter but he, he certainly looks like he has that jersey sewn up and is playing some great rugby i mean i thought he was i know we'll get to it but he was pretty good um on, on the weekend for the most part, particularly in the loose. Um, so yeah, that's probably the, the, the two that stand out. I mean, I am interested to see, you know, how, you know, can Hansen kick on, uh, you know, what's he like against the, uh, the New Zealand kind of back three, you know, I feel like he probably wasn't tested as often in, in the uh, six nations as I think he will be down there. And that probably goes for all of our wide players. Um, Larry's obviously been injured. Um, not sure he makes it into the uh, for for the test matches maybe the third one but I'd like to see him go against the Mary and there's probably a few guys I'd like to see in that I think Ryan Baird's probably a little bit lucky to be going um just because he hasn't played I really like watching him I think he's an excellent athlete this really might suit him down there actually uh provided they play him at six uh and the other guys that probably stand out at the top of my mind Coombs is the other guy as well sorry probably before I go um Really like Coombs. Love to see him be a bit more prominent. And um, uh, we'll get to in a bit. But I think it's a real place where you need to have a very strong bench. And I think Ireland actually have the potential for a very strong bench with 40 people. But there's actually 20. You know what I mean? There's probably 30 guys who I really think are top class, actually. And will really give... Like I think we'll have a really strong bench for all the games, uh, provided there isn't some kind of injury disaster out there. Um but uh, I'm really excited to see how they go now. And um, a few people who have, haven't got capped to, I think, like you know, Jimmy O'Brien probably stands out. Uh, might be a tour to give him a cap. He looks very promising. So uh, good looking tour. Five games. Um, I'm not sure you get these tours that often anymore, actually, or in the future. So uh, this is a real treat, I think. 
Yeah, even Andy Farrell mentioned in his squad announcement statement that this could be the last team to properly tour New Zealand because rugby might be bringing in this kind of league structure where you mightn't do a three-test uh, series in the future. So it's a great opportunity for the players, as you mentioned, five games, a lot to get their teeth into. On Ronan Kelleher, like he came off early against France and La Rochelle, and that proved to be pivotal moments in both of those games, which are two of the kind of the key games of the season and two defeats for Ireland and Leinster. Keen. On the out-half situation, I feel like we, we've kind of avoided an out-half discussion for a couple of weeks. It's been great. Uh, you know, it, it was good while it lasted. Now we're back into the thick of things. It was always going to be Sexton and Carberry. Harry Byrne has taken that third, you know, position. And I know a lot of people have been talking about, you know, he's only played seven, he's had seven starts this year. I think only four of them, were, or even maybe three of them were at 10. I just thought it up as well. He's only kicked 13 goals this year, like penalties or conversions, which is seems very, very few for someone who's playing for Leinster. What did you make of that decision, and was it the right one for you? Uh, I'd kind of gotten word over the last couple of days that he was in, um, because Ireland have basically had a, a three-day camp, where well, they're having a three-day camp at the moment, which is purely because Ulster and Leinster lost last weekend. So Andy Farrell was up for a press conference today and was, of course, looking at the bright side. And to be fair, I mean, you know, if the final had been this weekend and if, if it had been Leinster and Ulster, you run the risk of, of picking up injuries. So he's delighted to get these guys in for three days. That wasn't really part of the plan. Look, I was probably, was I surprised? I mean, I, I had heard Kieran Frawley was in the mix as well. And when I heard Harry Byrne was as well, I was like, okay, because I was kind of wondering if, if, Lens, if Ireland might take a different approach that Leinster have and actually look at Frawley as a 10 but when I heard that the both of them were in, I thought it was interesting. Look, it's been clear for a while that Andy Farrell really rates um, Harry Byrne. I mean, it's important to acknowledge, in which it wasn't actually mentioned in the press release today, but Jack Harty is also one of the players who's out injured. So the, he Connacht didn't have a great season, but it would have been very interesting to see if Carty was fit, if, if he would have went on the tour, because obviously he had been in the Six Nations squad. But... Andy Farrell has put a lot of trust in Harry Byrne. I think you're right, Will. I was looking at it as well. I think it's four. He started four games at out half. And then, I mean, if Ireland were to pick up a couple of injuries and Harry Byrne is, I mean, either starting or coming off the bench against the All Blacks, having started four games at 10 for Leinster this season is just no preparation at all. It actually reminds me of the the 2015 World Cup and we don't want to go back over that again but like you know what Ian Madigan had to do coming off the bench like there's kind of shades of that a little bit so but this isn't a World Cup I suppose is what Andy Farrell would argue and th- this is a, the place but Madigan would have played loads during the year No, for sure yeah yeah, yeah that's and, the difference. Har- and Harry Byrne has been put into 12 this season I mean and he's not I mean I don't think he's a 12 at all definitely not at international level I don't think he has the size for it so um, it's a big show of faith like, I, like I'm excited I think he's had a tough season I think he's found it hard to make his mark I mean Ross Byrne is clearly ahead of him at Leinster but he's not in Andy Farrell's plans whatsoever um, so it's a big show of faith and I'm looking forward to seeing you'd imagine he'll get time against the Maoris I'm looking forward to seeing kind of you know how he how he backs that up and it'll be fascinating to see I mean we've had this conversation particularly with Luke so many times on the podcast about Kieran Frawley but there's nothing to say that my cat who probably sees a lot of himself in in Kieran Frawley to be fair in terms of how they played the game but it'll be interesting to see if they see him as a 10 he was listed as a center but when you're coming to pick a World Cup squad, and like Andy Farrell said this in his press release and in the press conference, that he sees this as the starting point now leading into the World Cup. So, I mean, if you're not on the plane now, you're going to be doing very, very well 
barring a load of injuries to make the World's, World Cup squad next year. But that versatility that Frawley offers is really important. And someone like Jimmy O'Brien, Matt Hansen, uh, Michael Lowry, these guys who can play across the back line are going to be really, really important when it comes to nailing down a World Cup squad because you won't be bringing 40 players to, to France next year. So um, when you look at the out-half options, just to go full circle, Will, on your question, when you look at the other out-half options, I mean, who are you going to go with? Like, I mean, Ross Byrne and Billy Burns just are not in Andy Farrell's plans. And to be honest, I can understand why they're not. So if you go further than that, Jack Carty is injured. Then you're looking at, you know, Ben Healy and Munster. Has he done enough this season in a, in a poor season overall for the province? I'm not sure he has to, to bring him to New Zealand. So you could argue that neither is Harry Byrne, but the point is Andy Farrell has invested time in Harry Byrne. He's been in around the squad a few times. He knows how they work. So, like I said, it's a big show of faith, and now it's kind of like backing up, I think, that trust that's been shown in him. Yeah, one point about, you know, if he has to end up coming in against the All Blacks with not a huge amount of preparation, Joey Cabri made his debut against the All Blacks in Chicago on the week of his 21st birthday, and I think he even converted a conversion or penalty in Ireland's first ever victory, so that went pretty well. Luke, yeah, just before we get into last weekend and, and the Leinster Bulls game to kick off, like just on the out-half situation, like there, it's an interesting kind of situation at the moment. I know it is the third choice. It's not as if we're debating first and second seem to be pretty well nailed on, but there's just a lot of flux around that third position. As Keane said, none of the kind of other contenders have really stuck their hand up, even though Ross Byrne has played a lot for Leinster this year and his little brother who hasn't is ahead of him. Yeah, look, we're in a bizarre scenario where I actually think we, we have six or seven players who are actually, they, I could certainly see them getting to that backup situation and being a good backup, but the real issue we have is so you, like you nailed it there. There's two of them that are starting regularly for their for their provinces in Ross Byrne and in Billy Burns, who are just outside of the, the selection. I don't know the the what would you want to call it, the inner circle, whatever you call it. They're just not in, uh, regardless of, of how trust. they play. Yeah, the circle of trust. You're you're, you're not in there, as De Niro said. You're 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 outside. <laughs> this is you. So I think uh, that that's really challenging. It looks like Carty's probably beyond that as well. To my mind, I think he look he's a guy who'd probably be relying on a couple of injuries to get in there. Um. You know, I think it's very uh, versatility is great, but at international level, the top players like uh, the only I can think of maybe two or three players off the top of my head who I would consider really top class international players who generally play who can play you know three or four positions and still be a top class international player in each position. You have to specialize. I'm, I'm just, I'm convinced you have to specialize. And I think that not playing week in, week out for your club, there's going to be a few people who are going to be really disappointed now coming into this World Cup period. And as Keen said, it'll be difficult to push into that 40 man. It's not impossible, but I just think you look through the names there. The people who are definitely going to be on that are people who are specializing in the position. Frawley, to my mind, I feel like he's going to be in the same position he was in in November. Uh, or sorry, in Six Nations, where he's in a squad in November because it's just, look, everyone's picked for this thing. Uh, but for the Six Nations, he's not going to get in. And I think um, that's going to be his challenge for, for the World Cup. He needs to pick a position. Um, and uh, that the, he, I think, you know, my views on him, I'm not going to rehash that, but I think that's a big mistake. Uh, Harry Byrne, to my mind, I'm not sure why he's there. Simple as. I, I, don't, um, I don't think he justifies that position at all. I think Ben Healy is actually ahead of him uh, in, in my mind. I think Crowley is a guy who I really like in Munster too, but they've got a massive issue. Like, uh, like in, in my opinion now, the IRFU probably need to have a real rethink about their, their playing policy uh, and whether they loan out some of these guys to clubs in different places to get them some game time. 
they have people piling up behind the starters who they have a few starters that are just not going to select. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, look, you, you know, you can't. It's such an important position that the, you know, how the, your how your club plays will often be like your. It's kind of intrinsically linked to how your ten goes. You know what I mean? The two are very correlated. I think so. In, in my opinion, if you, you you have all these guys sitting there behind who you don't think are maybe at that level. But let's face it, we don't know because they don't play awful enough. I think they need to head off and say, listen, we have a special dispensation because 10 is such an important position, similar to the Johnny Sexton scenario, where we say, would you like to take this guy for a year or six months or whatever it is? Um, you know, because I'd say there's loads of groups that bite your hand off for a Crowley or a Healy um, or a, you know, Harry Byrne, because we can't be in a situation where we've got a guy with two caps who's played no rugby for Leinster, who's now third choice. Um and I have look. I have my doubts about Carberry. I just really have my doubts. I'm, I'm back to worrying about this 10 scenario now when really I felt like there was a couple of guys who were going to be putting a bit of pressure on a couple of weeks ago. They didn't feature in any of the big games and didn't play well in them when they did. This season and the last 18 months, Johnny Sexton has put more and more distance between himself and the challengers. Mm. And like even Joey Carberry, is he playing any better really than Ross Byrne and Billy Burley? Not really. Like, but Whereas Sexton has put like a an ocean between the lads over the last couple of years where you would have thought sex is going to be 37 just after this tour. You would have thought that the guys would be gaining on them and there'd be a huge debate about like there was when O'Gara came towards the end of his career, but I know he had Johnny Sexton, but there's just, there's like, <laughs> there's literally no one getting anywhere near usurping him, which is, which is worrying in case there would be an injury. Yeah. Like I, and I really like Luke's idea of, you know, letting, you know, guys who aren't featuring and Jack Crowley is the perfect example because like Raj tried to get him. Imagine he had featured in La Rochelle's, you know, Heineken cup triumph. I'm not saying he would have started ahead of Ohio West, you know, but like he could have been on the bench or he could have featured in whatever. So all of a sudden he might well have started after that, after that semi-final kicking. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. could easily see, and I think as well, if you look at say some of the premiership clubs and you're looking at that, like if you were looking at them thinking at those qualifiers, now I know we saw, you know, Marcus Smith and we saw, um, you know, Farrell go up against the jury. You're not going to be getting ahead of those guys, but there are a few other people who you'd be saying, mm, do you know what? Those guys would push them a bit harder than maybe they're pushing, uh, you know, in, in their home provinces, or at least they'd be getting some game time somewhere because worrying. I, I'm very, I, the more I'm looking at this, thing, like you can't have a year where you're not playing. You can sorry, you can maybe have a year where you're on the bench all every week. You're learning your trade as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. This is getting serious now. Like, if I was looking at my career, I would be getting seriously, seriously concerned. I'd be knocking on that door saying, listen, what is your plan? And, I, and at this point, there's a couple of guys who've been doing it for two or three years, in my opinion. I would be seriously concerned about my career at this point because I would feel like you're throwing it away. Like, you just, you just don't get years to throw away playing no rugby. You just don't get it. Like, an injury maybe... But like even I know, I think I know. I can speak to this with some with some uh, authority. Years out of your career, and I had about two or three injuries just a year out. They absolutely demolish your your chances of achieving your potential. And 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 I'm telling you, these guys are going to regret it looking back. Uh, sitting on benches, you know, it's no good for you. You need to be playing rugby or a rugby player at the end of the day. Not a weightlifter. Just before we move on, Will, I know you want to get on to Leinster again, but there are a couple of holes, I would say, like the out half is definitely one, like if, if there's a couple of injuries, like, I mean, loose head again is kind of a, a tough one to get your head around. Like obviously Dave Kilcoyne is injured, but in Munster, Josh Witcherly has been preferred to Jeremy Lockman, but all of a sudden Jeremy Lockman is chosen ahead of him. And this kind of goes back to our initial point. And I think if Andrew Porter was to get injured, like, I think Ireland are in big, big trouble um, in terms of the depth that's there. I think we've seen the Keane Healy 
isn't the same player he was. Is Jeremy Lockman international standard? We'll soon find out. And even if you look at the, we've t- already touched on it, but the hooker situation, I mean, there's two of those guys are going to be on the bench on the Wednesday before the first test for the Maori game. You'd imagine it'll probably be Dave Heffernan starting with Rob Herring on the bench. Like you could go either way, whatever. But what happens if one of those guys get injured? Like who, who's, who's playing backup hooker at the bench on, on Saturday? So you're bringing 40 players, but there's, this could quickly unravel in a couple of positions. I don't know who the backup hooker would be. In I was going to say, Keen, I believe Keane Healy was a hooker when Belvedere won the Senior Cup in 2005 against Luke. So maybe he can resume that position. That's just about worse than Harry Byrne starting four <laughs> games that I would have. <laughs> I tell you, it made yeah. for a series of hooker in almost 20 row. years. It yeah. was a series, and he, I think he might have even had the corn rolls then. It was pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty dynamic stuff. Yeah. Um, and thanks for bringing up that memory as well, Will. Just in case I don't uh, say thanks. Yeah. Look, it, it's a real interesting slot, isn't it? And like these special positions, you know, you do need to have people playing in them. Um, so uh, yeah, food for thought there. That's bad. A bit of bad luck now with, with Kelleher going down. Um, you know, Herring is, I think, playing good rugby. Like, you know, I suppose I just don't see him being as dynamic as the other two, or you know, in terms of his age being. You know, I suppose I think the other two have still have 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 haven't reached their ceiling. I think he probably has, is my view there. Um, but um, I think they do like him in camp. You know, I think he probably would have been going ahead of Heffernan anyway. So um, just because I pick Heffernan, that's probably a slip of the tongue, really. I think you know he would go in ahead of him, but um, it is an interesting talking point. You know, and I think uh, <laughs> it's funny how she and how important she has become so quickly. Um, and I don't know where you de- like do, how do, how you develop players in that position quickly. I don't think it's possible, you know. So um, we watched that one closely as well. Look, Kelleher's back. I think hopefully by the World Cup they manage them all pretty well, and we don't get in a situation where we lose someone of his caliber that close to it. But I think for the tour, um, you know, I, yeah, I think it's probably a good thing that we get to try these two guys out as well because it is, you know, we need to find out if they can if they can live with the heat in the in the World Cup. So probably no harm in that as well, Keen. Even if you do look a little bit light, if one of them does go down. Yeah, there'll be plenty of talking points that we're going to cover maybe in a week or two when we kind of dig into the series ahead of the first test. But Keane, does that Leinster game then last Friday against the Bulls? They went as 21-point favourites, uh, you know, 10 points more than they were against La Rochelle, but a similar result in the end. You know, we had John for the kind of debrief after La Rochelle. You know, we're sitting here for the second post-mortem in, you know, two or three weeks. Like, do you have new things to add? Like, for you, was it a different kind of, were there different reasons for what occurred on Friday night? Or do you kind of link them to La Rochelle? Um, I wouldn't say it was a like-for-like defeat, but I definitely think there is an overarching kind of problem with Leinster at the moment. I mean, we did speak about it at the time, and I was sort of saying that I could, I thought that La Rochelle defeat was going to be seriously damaging just for the, the morale and the psyche of the Leinster players. Now, I'll be the first to admit I wasn't talking about in terms of the URC this season. I was more talking about what they're going to do over the course of next season to try and close the gap because... They had spent, when they lost to La Rochelle in the semi-final last year, everything had been geared around designing this new game plan to beat the more powerful teams. And yeah, like the Bulls did throw up kind of different challenges, but God, I just thought, I don't know what it was. Like, was it complacency? Was it fatigue? Was it what? But like the amount of silly errors that Leinster made, the line-out was really poor. I thought like there was a lot of guys conceded cheap, soft penalties. Um forcing the offload which is obviously part of the the high tempo game that they're trying to play to get around these bigger teams but like just forcing the issue and 
Yeah, like I mean, I was reading Bernard Jackman in the Sunday in the Sunday Independent, um, and he was kind of going on about their use of the bench and how much time did we spend post La Rochelle talking about that point? And like, this isn't a new problem with Leinster's lack of use of the bench. I was looking back in it again to that La Rochelle game last year because it stuck in my mind that I remembered that Kieran Frawley and Rowan Osborne, who was the sub scrum half, that they didn't get on. But then I was also looking at their use of. The other, the other guys in the bench, Rory O'Loughlin got on for five minutes. Uh, Scott Fardy got on for nine minutes. James Tracy, subhooker, got on for nine minutes. So, like, you're asking, you're asking guys when rugby is now a 23 more game, more than ever, to, to play such long, grueling minutes. And I do think that is an issue. Like I said, we, we spoke about it at length after the Larishelle game. It was evident again in the Bulls game last week. And... We can talk and we have done. We've raved about Leinster's use of 60 players and their strength and depth. But like really when it comes down to it, their depth isn't as strong as maybe we think or certainly they don't trust the, the depth that they have. So I do think they have issues, Will. And I think they'll be absolutely furious. Like the coaches will be that they they lost that game because I thought a lot of it was down to their own their own mistakes, really. I mean, you saw some of the tries that they scored, like just off set-piece moves, absolutely clinical but kind of when it came down to it and when the Bulls made it into a dogfight like Leinster didn't have it within them to to get over the line and that is that is an issue I think that's psychological you saw Johnny Sexton coming on and like he did his best to bring a bit of fire bring a bit of you know to rally the troops but I didn't feel like he shouldn't have needed that uh, for Johnny Sexton to come off the bench uh, for that to happen the guys on the pitch I mean Johnny Sexton isn't going to be around forever. Like he's very much coming towards the end now. So uh, I do think they have problems, Will. And I think all of the problems that we discussed are Ireland's problems. Like just we've mentioned the squad. Everything is going to feed into, I think, uh, the New Zealand tour. Andy Farrell was asked about it kind of several times today. And of course, he's kind of saying that it's, you know, it's Team Ireland. We do things differently. But the reality is like the first test team is going to be still probably 12 Leinster players, 11, 12 Leinster players. And those problems are still going to exist. I know the scrum wasn't particularly bad against the Bulls, but I've been, I've said it several times on this podcast. I've serious issues about, about the scrum at the moment as well. And it was worrying to see the lineouts kind of go to pieces as well. So um, there's a lot in that, but I do think it all stems from the, the issues that we spoke about around the La Rochelle game and those type of teams. Yeah, Luke, you know, what, what's your view on, on what went wrong? You know, obviously the, the game plan is coming to focus. I, you know, personally, I, I think that game plan is good enough to win the top prizes. The, their execution of it, I thought, was what really let them down. I don't know if I'd necessarily got, be going back and ripping up what they've been trying to achieve over the last 12 months. I'm not sure what you think. Do you know what I think? I think it's it's more difficult to execute that game plan when it comes to kind of cup time. You know, when it comes to the your knockout rugby stages, uh, the nerves are high. Um, you, you know, teams are generally up for it. You're not going to beat someone. You're not going to, no one's going to, it's very rare you get someone wimping out uh, or not putting 100% in, um, you know, in, in knockout rugby. Glasgow aside, that was pretty embarrassing for them. But I think that was, that's kind of unusual, you know. So uh, I think people generally front up defensively. Um, and, you know, I think you have to be really on it to execute that game plan. My, my initial thoughts while having watched a couple of games was that, Yes, very error-strewn, uh, not willing to to wait an extra phase to break a team down or waiting an extra five phases, however many phases is required. Um, I thought they were just trying to break them down a little bit too early, and I think that they were over-eager. 
looked like they were in not in the same positions as they have been to break down those kind of uh, high pressure, big hitting defenses um, that has really caused teams trouble. They haven't been able to get up and in at that Leinster kind of attack, that deeper attack, that more tucked in runner versus the traditional. Yes, you can be deep, but standing wide from the the, the guy who's throwing the pass. Leinster were kind of tucked and arcing. Uh, normally, not what you want to do because teams, you know, back in the day were always kind of defending a little bit softer. You always wanted to be a little bit wider, but they didn't do those, those two things well. And I, and I think there was a lot of nerves involved in that um that comes with with kind of playing finals rugby um and conversely you know i think the south african style of play um i I just think it generally suits playing knockout rugby if you ask me i think it's you know the kicking game executing on a big chase uh you know being very physical you know having a good set piece um you know and there was some creativity in there we have to say i thought jake white mean that the tap the quick tap was a I look at they went to sleep on the inside. They were like, well, there's where the tackle is. I'll, I'll wait for my next phase. Just shows you can't do that against top teams and creative coaches. I thought that was a bit, bit of brilliance, actually. Um, but I did think they bullied Leinster close to their line. I thought Leinster's defense there was not urgent enough. And I thought the, the hits were not big enough and they didn't double up early enough either. Um, because, you know, playing big, heavy South African teams, um, it, it, there's a difference. And I think, you know, these teams are diff- very different to the South African teams that Leinster would have played at the start of the competition. Very, very different. Um, so that's probably a combination of a few of those things. Well, I think Leinster not playing well, not executing well on the game plan that is, I think, more difficult to execute on when the pressure's high. And again, those South African teams, I think they're kind of built for finals rugby. You think of South Africa and how awful they can be in the lead up to a World Cup but they just always seem to pitch up. And I always think it's because they've got a simple game plan that plays to their strengths and it suits playing in high pressure environments. One thing I'd like to put to you, Keen, that someone kind of mentioned to me after last weekend was, you know, what, how often this Leinster team actually have to roll up their sleeves, their, their first string team when they're playing for Leinster, roll up their sleeves in a big game and come from behind or, or deal with a massive challenge and come out on the right side of the result. You know, a lot of times they blow teams away, like Toulouse blown away. Leicester, they were 20 and up, you know, games over the last few years, the two Sarsons, the two La Rochelle, where they had to roll up their sleeves, they, they did struggle, and the Bulls was the same. You know, the Exeter one last year was probably one of them where they did battle back after a, a really poor start and get the victory, but this is something that, they, like, Leinster usually either overwhelm the teams, or they get dragged into a dogfight and maybe come out on the wrong side of the result, and I don't know if that's maybe a mental thing, or because they're not really used to it that often. Like, even with Ireland under Andy Farrell, the All Blacks in November, you know, Ireland kind of blew them away a, a bit. You know, it's like England in last year, similar story. You know, even the Grand Slam under Joe Schmidt, I suppose, the, the late drop goal Johnny Sexton was probably one, but the other games, they were they kind of blew the opposition away as well. Like, it has, it's kind of maybe something over the last couple of years that actually when you look at the results, maybe has kind of gone like that. Yeah, and I, I don't have the answer to it either. Well, I don't know if it's a mental thing. Have they been prepared enough? I mean... With the Irish system, it's not like the French and the English where the guys are playing loads of games all season. And maybe there is times when that counts against you. And, you know, even in terms of like looking at a World Cup, like the players are so well looked after. But there are times where you wonder if maybe they're, you know, looked after a little bit too well. Now, that's a real kind of hindsight thing to say. But the the issue for Leinster now and for Ireland is that you know teams are, like you you hit the nail on the head there will like once you get dragged into a dog fight you know do Leinster have the stomach for the fight and that's ultimately what teams are going to be saying now when it comes to when it comes to the bigger games next season and it will be a long time before 
obviously we're back in this same stage for Leinster because you'd imagine even with the South African teams getting stronger, you know, Leinster will still, you know, comfortably manage themselves through the URC season and probably the Champions Cup season as well. But when it comes to the knockout games, like Luke is saying, teams know now that, okay, the best chance to beat Leinster is to drag them into a dogfight, to slow down their ball. And to this point, Leinster haven't come up with the answers. And like I said, we've given them so much plaudits and like rightly so for their squad and the work that Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster have done. But like, you know, I think I, I was pretty sure I said it on this podcast. I definitely had it in the paper that even if Leinster had went on to win the URC, would it have been deemed a successful season? I'm not sure. That looks like a ridiculous thing to say now because I don't think many of us thought they'd end up trophyless. Is it the first time since 2017? Um, so like that is that's very, very disappointing considering, you know, considering the, the caliber of players that Leinster have at their disposal as well. It's most of the Ireland team, as we well know, but like they have a lot of young, good guys as well. And to finish this season trophy list, I think is, I think it's damaging. I really do. Um, like I said, it's it, the, the template has been shown there now. And yeah, I think it's it's going to be a long summer, I think. for I, I, And I'm not saying, I agree with you, Will. Like, I, I don't think it's on... I'm not suggesting to rip up the script and start again, but I think Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen have a long summer ahead of them in terms of trying to figure out how they're going to take that next step because we felt like they had done it, that this new game plan was going to have the better the beating of these teams, but it's shown that it hasn't. And it's not just shown, it's not just a La Rochelle thing now either that we can say because the Bulls have looked at it. And to be fair, like Luke kind of touched it, their game plan was brilliant. It was so effective. Um, it wasn't just a blunt force, force trauma that I've, I've seen a few people kind of say that that's what it was, but it wasn't. They had some nice intricate play as well. They mixed it up exactly like La Rochelle did. La Rochelle just didn't pummel Leinster into submission either. They had a lot, like you think back to the, the Raymond Rule try, you know. So teams are figuring out ways how to open, open them up. And that is the issue for Ireland as well, going to New Zealand. You think back to November, you know, is the end of a long season for the All Blacks, blah, blah, blah. The, 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 the roles are completely flipped on their head now. The All Blacks will have been pouring over like the footage of Leinster, Ireland in the Six Nations. And it's up to Andy Farrell and his coaching staff now to modify the game plan because I think that's something that Ireland didn't maybe do in 2019. That's why they came unstuck. So, um, yeah, like I said, Leinster's problems, I feel like, are, are Ireland's problems. And Luke, just in terms of, you might have an insight into this because you played in a very successful Leinster team as well. Like, Do, do you think there was overconfidence that they just thought it, the trophies were there to be won. They were playing so well. Because even Andy Farrell, Keen, you'll notice, made a comment today about how New Zealand, and he was like an Auckland and Dunedin, they don't walk down the street like in Brawls Bridge and roll down the windows and tell you how great you are. And I love that. Kind of made me yeah? I love yeah. that. That was such a great It kind comment. of made me think, like, the Lancer players will have been listening to how great this team is, how good the rugby is over the last while. And not they're professionals, they try to block it out. But, you know, Luke, when you were obviously playing under the Joe Schmidt team, it would have been probably similar talk. And, you guys got, you know, two Champions Cups in a row and were able to block it out. Do you think that was any issue? Uh, well, look, I think we were that good, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, we were pretty good, though. I think we had a lot of kind of people who, and this will help, but we had a lot of people who had a lot of hurt for a long time. I'd say they'd see, do you know that period where you're a good team, but you don't win? Uh, they had gone through that. So I don't think we would have, the player group would have really allowed us to be in, in that kind of mindset. Now, I'm not saying Leinster are. Uh, what I am saying is I think they, they there's, a, there's a few things if I was looking at it. It's not, it's, 
now is not the time to panic, I don't think. I, I, I feel like they were exposed a bit more this year than they were in the previous couple of years. I think they've, they've probably bridged that gap a little bit. Um, I think we actually have the points of, you know, that, that they need to, to, to have a little think about. You know, I would say, um, if I was looking at it, right, I'd be thinking, uh, all right, well, we didn't execute on the attacking side. We know that's difficult, but I would say that was a mindset thing. You know, we need to have a think about why we weren't able to deliver the same kind of even positional and passing um, performances that we put in all the way up until the final. La Rochelle's defense was good. It wasn't that good. I thought Leinster really contributed to how good they looked, if I'm being honest. Um, I think, you know, against the bigger teams, do you resource the, the rook a little bit more? That's an area I'd definitely be looking at. Um, and when it comes to line out and scrum, Scrum is beyond me in terms of what I'd be ha- having to think about, but I-, I would say definitely we have the personnel to look when I think about Leinster, certainly have the personnel to get that right. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the weight, I'm, you know, th- there's definitely been packs out there that have done really great work in the scrum and they're not the heaviest pack, but they definitely are, you know, that- that's a technique thing. You know, and I think they've got the personnel there that they can go and fix that. Um, and that wasn't also as big an issue this year as it was, I think in previous years, I think, um, you know, uh, you know that La Rochelle team is pretty hard to scrummage against. They're technically very good too. Um, I think the lineout is is an area, and, and Ulster struggled. You saw Ulster again got pushed over for a try um, against the Stormers at the start of the game. Well, it was a penalty try, um, but I think you know we you know, about not competing and just smashing it when it comes down everywhere. Just don't give them the mall. So there's a few things I'd be thinking about, and lastly as well, sorry, the last point which is really key, which we've covered a few times, the bench, gotta use it got to use it you cannot only use your bench when you're 20 or 30 points up on the 50 minute mark that's not how it works and there's no point in having 60 people playing in the year if you don't even trust 25 of them um to to do the business for you and i think they have the personnel to go and do that Uh, and the composition of those benches as well um and what I mean by that is there's room for a 6-2 split. You see French teams doing it all the time. And they have, if they're not going to play Frawley and guys like that, they do have the versatility um, you know, uh, there, I think, to, to fill gaps with, 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 two, um, with two guys. Um, so that's something that I'd be given serious consideration to if I was coming into the knockout stages against some of those bigger packs. And, and that, that's a lot of thoughts I know in one uh, kind of answer, but I, I believe that all of those things are fixable and they're not massive rethinks on, on how you deliver. Um, and the key point, again, just to reiterate, they played badly. Do you know what I mean? They didn't execute well. They did play badly. And they look, we haven't seen them play badly in quite a while. Um, you know, And they just happened to come at the two worst times of the season. So you can put yourself in a position sorry you get you can kind of get in the, you know a bit uh, panicky at this stage i don't think that's the time to do that but it's certainly a few areas where i think they can help themselves and i believe Leinster go on next year and, and um i think they get it right actually i think they really get it right next year i think i i, I think Leinster will do a double next year i think they'll they'll really get it right and if i know it's a big call early but um you know i, I think they play badly in the key times this year i think they get it right next year there's just one thing on the depth. This is probably the first year in a long time that the team basically picked itself as well. Like, I know some of that came from how good the guys played for Ireland. Like, you had that back row, front row combination, center combination. But you look at, like, in the back row, for instance, like, Will Connors has been a huge loss. He's been out for 18 months. Dan Levy had to retire midway through the season. That's two guys. Like, the front row depth, you know, Keen Healy is getting on. Peter Dooley is going to Connacht. Josh Murphy's another guy leaving. You know, Hawkshot and Byrne leaving in the summer as well. Tommy O'Brien's an ACL tear. Like the strength and depth, 
and like Jordan Lammer was on ice for a lot of this year as well. Like the strength of depth isn't as strong, I don't think, as it was. And some of these guys will be coming back from injury. Will Connors will be a huge addition, but it will be interesting next year between the departures and some guys like Scott Penny hasn't even played in the Champions Cup yet. Like that's an interesting decision. They've been keeping him kind of under wraps massively. I, I don't know what they were, what rainy day they're waiting for to, to take him out of cold storage, but just some some food for thought. Just before we finish up, Keen Ulster have to mention them. Obviously, have a, had a sickening defeat, conceding in the last play of the game. Unfortunately, like like Leinster, we're talking about recurring themes. Ulster have allowed a lot of games slip late on. Toulouse was another one earlier this season. You know. What are your thoughts on where they are at now? You know, with a massive opportunity that carried of a home final as well that they missed out on. Yeah, like we, we've seen this story before, haven't we? Unfortunately, with with Ulster, and I do think it is a sort of a, a mental block that they have when it comes to the big games. I mean, my my kind of overarching sense about Ulster is they're definitely still a couple of players short, particularly in the front five in terms of winning a, a title. So I think getting to a semi final is probably about where they're at. I mean, if you watch the game, obviously you know the Ulster fans would tell you different, but I mean. To have, you know, when they got the man, when the Stormers got uh, Adre Smith, who, by the way, like, what is that fella doing? I mean, getting pinged for gouging and didn't he get done for biting, alleged biting in Toma Park uh, earlier this season? I mean, that is some rap sheet. So, I mean, going out to 14 men, it looked like it was all set up for, for Ulster to, to press home. And I mean, they would have been they would have been at home, wouldn't they, for, for the final? So. Um, I think without Leinster in the equation, who have been a massive kind of, you know, I know they beat them a couple of times this season, but when it comes to the knockout games, they'll have serious regrets that they didn't get get to a final this year, I think, with Leinster out of the equation. And yeah, unfortunately, I think like there's been so many bright sparks for Ulster this season. And one guy who should, I should have mentioned at the start, who I'm really looking forward to seeing is James Hume. I have going on the tour. I think he could have, he could really light it up. He's been, he's been outstanding, but I mean, the, the the green shoots are all well and good, but when it comes down to it, I just still think Ulster are short. And I think so much of it is down to them being a couple of players short in the front five, but also mentally, whatever it is, they just don't seem to have it upstairs to, to be able to get it over the line. And like I said, I think they look back at this season as one with massive regrets. Even you think back to the Toulouse game in Europe, I mean, they really should have went through over the two legs and that. So um, it's probably a fair reflection overall where they are, Will, but I mean, that won't be any consolation to Dan McFarlane now as he kind of picks through the pieces of what is ultimately another trophyless season, just like Munster, you know? Uh, you can't like as well like they're they've missed the big moments haven't they like they're really mm-hmm. a team over the last like i mean you know you think of stockdale dropping that one against leinster like i know it's a long time ago now but you think of you know the that try that that try um from the from the kind of shortened line out down the front like just like do your job I, i'm not i can't i can't think of who was at the front of the line out just tackle the guy i, I think i'm going to say it was Stormers eight, the guy who eventually scored the try, I think. Um, just tackle him, just ta- like tackle him and leave the guy free. Like if you're that exposed, like you can see, um, you, you can see he's easily covered by two Ulster players. Would easily have gotten to the man who was left. Like you always just leave the last guy on the line. If you're getting, you never get burnt on the inside and leave a two on one. Like basic mistakes like that, like they really cost you in the big games. And you could like if you look at Ulster's play and look at how good Ballot, like Balakun, and even some of those passes that were thrown out. I know they were on the edge uh, being forward. I, I just don't know what a four passes anymore, to be honest. But like there were still gorgeous passes. Like the Hume one stood out to me massively. Some of the offloading for the finish as well. Um, again, very Balakuna thought was very dangerous when he got in any kind of open space, and he's tall as well. Some of those offloads are very nice. Um. 
like they're they're very dangerous out there. They can put you away, but you just defensively and Leinster too. Like the defensively, you know, I, I think they've 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 let themselves down on, on on the big stages. You think of that Toulouse match, letting Dupont in at the end. Um, you know, they were easily had the numbers to cover these guys. And Leinster, I think, you know, as much as the rule try was very good, like Jimmy O'Brien, that was a complete, you know, mistake. And even Hugo Keenan, you know, used the touchline as your as your as your friend and that. I, I, I just the reason I mention is because cup rugby oftentimes is about defense and not you know make them score the, the the really amazing try and i don't think many many of the other teams have had to score amazing tries against the irish teams um as much as Leinster didn't deliver on the attack the defense is, the, is still the key thing i think if they could you know you don't need to play as well if your defense is a bit stingier uh and ulster particularly as well to cover that like in the big matches that's what's cost them. Um, you know, Munster too and Connacht. Like our, the defensive stuff, at my in my mind is, is for Irish rugby. That is absolutely key. And at the big stages of the competition, all of the teams got badly, badly exposed uh, defensively. I think. Um, and if I was the defensive coaches in each one, like you got to put your, you know, you put your hand up there. They they didn't deliver in any of those games in in that respect. In the bit when it really came to crunch. Well, that's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. I'd like to thank Keane and Luke for joining me, and we will be back next week with another podcast looking ahead to Ireland versus New Zealand in the summer. But for now, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.